0: french kissing life i'm your host shauna stiver and i am thrilled to help you discover what makes your heart race your soul dance and your spirit soar every week you'll get a fun dose of inspiration laughter and a sprinkle of magic as we explore stories insights and conversations that empower you to ignite the spark within in a world that demands you be anything but yourself this is your permission slip to be a little more you Together, let's shed the shoulds, embrace our unique brilliance, and welcome more joy. Are you ready to French kiss life? Welcome back to another episode of French Kissing Life. I am your day-long napping host, Shauna Stiver, and I've got a solo show coming at you today. And it's on the ever-so-important topic of friendships. Friendships and why it's so dang hard to make friends as an adult. I can attest to this. So in today's episode, I'm going to talk through the challenges of making new friends. Turns out it's very normal. Why friendships are so critical to not only our mental health, but also our physical health. The four different types of friendships we have in life and what each of them offers us. And then I'm going to give you nine realistic ideas you can consider as it relates to meeting new people and creating new friendships in your life starting today. I'm really excited for you to hear today's episode. I think this is such a common thing that so many of us struggle with. And I really hope that these tips and pieces of advice can help you feel more supported and less isolated. So let's get into it, shall we? For the duration of my 42 years in life, I have been blessed by the amazing power of friendship. When I was little, I had a neighborhood best friend named Justin, who I played with for hours every day. We would ride our bikes around the neighborhood and we made up an imaginary game we called adventures. My my friend Justin was always a mechanic and I was a banker, (laughs) which is comical because I've always said that I wanted to be a writer. Well, there was a short time that I wanted to be a vet, but then I realized that career path involved animals being sick and dying, so it was quickly removed from the list. My guess is that Justin was a mechanic because we could quote-unquote work on our bikes and do some type of make-believe diagnostic testing, and I was a banker because the chain-link fence separating our house from the neighbors had endless squares that to my child brain resembled a bank vault. If we weren't riding our bikes, then we were playing Hours of Mario Kart, coloring, watching Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, or singing the Save by the Bell theme song. Really dating myself here with these references. Um, <laughs> quick side note I just put two and two together that Chippendale's Rescue Rangers cartoon is the same name technically as Chippendale's The Dancers. And I needed to put my detective hat on and figure out why that is. Both the male dance troupe and the animation series, turns out, are named after Chippendale Furniture. So this style of furniture was created in the U.S. by none other than Thomas Chippendale and is characterized by intricate carvings in a dark wood, usually mahogany. It says here that it was originated in the 16th century and became very popular in the 18th century. Okay, so there's no correlation between the two. (laughs) I was starting to get really worried. So basically, Justin and I played nonstop every chance we got. It was just truly friendship at its best. When I moved to where my parents are now and started at a new junior high in high school, it took me a little while to get acclimated. But once I did, my friendships flourished once again. I had a best friend who I was inseparable with, I was in so many activities like band, the speech team, National Honor Society, Journalism Club, volleyball, and I'm sure things that I'm probably forgetting. I was surrounded by laughter and fun and friends and all the things that you hope to have in high school. My college experience was different in the sense that I only lived on campus for one semester when I tried going to Iowa State University. Um, At the time, my boyfriend and best friend went there, and so I figured I would like it. But I didn't, and I really struggled among the sea of students where nothing about me was special and I was just a number. So I transferred to a community college, and from that point on during my college years, I either lived off campus with my parents or in my own apartment. It wasn't until after graduating that my friend Stacy and I moved into our own apartment together. And it was the best of times again. We watched endless amounts of Friends, Rock of Love, The Girls Next Door, and Paradise. Some of the OGs of trashy reality shows. So if we weren't watching those, then we were putting the best of Will Ferrell on and quoting his skits or appearances in movies like Old School and Wedding Crashers. We were each other's uh, built-in plus one and permanent presence through young adulthood. And again, the best of times. So if throughout the course of most of my life, I've had the best friendship experiences, then what's the problem? Well, I've also had increased periods of isolation, and I think that's something that a lot of us have gone through, especially as we go through different stages of life as adults. And so I wanted to get to the bottom of it. Why is it so hard to make friends as an adult? And maybe more specifically, why do successful people struggle making new friends? I think for starters, you have to understand the inherent challenges with friendships in adult so first of all, it's common. Um, Dr. Miriam kerr is a clinical psychologist, writer, speaker, and relationship expert loca- located in Montreal who has spent the past decade researching the science of connection and friendship. And she says it's very common to experience difficulty making friends. So she said, the more we can recognize that Talking about this not only helps us to reduce the individual shame that we might be experiencing, but also actually provides the pathway to closer friendships, ultimately will really help us to build and sustain our connection. So basically, she's saying that talking about it is a great first step. So I'm glad that you're all here for this one. Second... I don't need to remind any of you that we just came out of a -a once-in-a-generation global pandemic where we were all more attuned than ever to the importance of connection, friendship, family, all those people in our lives that we wanted to be able to see but for that time couldn't. But here's the weird thing. so, Despite renewed interest in the topic of friendship um, in popular culture and the news media, there's actually signs suggesting that the role of friends in at least American social life is experiencing a pronounced decline. So the May 2021 American Perspective Survey found, finds that Americans re- report having fewer close friendships than they once did, talking to their friends less often, and relying less on their friends for personal support. In that study, 12% of adults said that they didn't have any close friends, which is so sad. And only half of those adults, 51%, said that they're satisfied with the amount of friends they have. So third, there are three basic factors that make it hard to to really meet people and make new friends. Availability, the size of our network, and our responsibilities changing as we get older. So how much time and how available we are can affect the ability to make friends. If you think about it, in school we have built-in social interactions because... That's the very nature of school. But when we're outside of it, making friendships a priority becomes harder because you genuinely have to try harder to create the interactions. An article in The Atlantic talks about this some more. Author Catherine Smith writes, according to the Friendship Report, a global study commissioned by Snapchat in 2019, the average age at which we meet our best friends is 21 a stage when we're not only bonding over formative new experiences such as first love and first heartbreak, but also growing more discerning about whom we befriend. Even more important, young adulthood is a time when many of us have time. The average American spends just 41 minutes a day now socializing. Jeffrey A. Hall, a communication studies professor at the University of Kansas, estimates that it typically takes more than 200 hours, ideally over six weeks, for a stranger to grow into a close friend. So as we get older, the space we used to fill with laughter, gossip, and staying up until the sky grew light can get consumed by the more adult concerns, such as marriage, procreation, and fully developed careers. And then we tend to end up with less of ourselves to give. Add on that more people have begun working remotely over the past few years. And while there are many benefits to remote work, Not going into an office can make it more difficult to make friends. So if we have a lot on our plate and less time to socialize, of course, this creates a barrier to making quality friendships. But any time used to form friendships is well spent, literally. So according to the Science of Why Friendships Keeps Us Healthy by the American Psychological Association, friendships make you healthier and help you live longer. For real. So the benefits of friendships should not be overlooked. Psychological research suggests that stable, healthy friendships are crucial for our well-being and longevity. In fact, high-quality adult friendships that provide social support and companionship significantly predict well-being and can protect against mental health issues such as depression and anxiety, which can persist across your entire lifespan if not addressed. So basically, friendships protect us in part by changing the way we respond to stress. Blood pressure reactivity is lower when people talk to a supportive friend. Participants who have a friend by their side while completing a tough task have less heart rate reactivity than those working alone. And in one study, people even judged a hill to be less steep when they were accompanied by a friend. Then on the flip side, not having quality friendships combined with periods of isolation can be extremely detrimental to our health. In fact, loneliness, among people who lack quality friendships, romantic partnerships, or other relationships, increases our risk for heart attack, stroke, and premature death. And despite the risks, Americans are getting lonelier. In 2021, 12% of U.S. adults said they did not have any close friends, which was up from 3% in 1990. And what's more worrisome is that that decline began well before the COVID-19 pandemic, with companionship and social engagement um, among friends, family, and others decreasing steadily over the past two decades. So social disconnection, which is considered a lack of engagement among friends, family, and others, is rising across age groups and appears to have worsened after 2012, which is when smartphones and social media came onto the scene. So while the COVID-19 pandemic likely exacerbated an existing trend towards social isolation, one of the authors said this, there were significant downward trends in social contact even before the pandemic. What's remarkable, remarkable about that is that, quote, getting back to normal is not going to be enough because it wasn't looking good before. So one of the misconceptions about friendship is that you need to have a ton of friends in order to feel happier. This illusion of online connection via social media makes this assumption feel even more true. But various studies would argue that it's all about the quality of those friendships rather than the number of people you have in your life. Hell, even Oprah has said she only has three very close friends, which also aligns with what the research shows. The average person has three to five very close friends, 10 to 15 people in their circle, and 100 to 150 acquaintances in their social network. Of course, those numbers depend on a number of different factors like your personality, your career, where you live, and your overall social skills. So before I offer tips on how to make new friends, I think it would be helpful to first identify what type of friend you're looking for. This is a part that for me has been very important to really narrow my focus on because I actually have a ton of friends in my life. I have close friends who I don't see very often, but when I catch up with them in whatever way we can, it feels like we've never skipped a beat. I have friends who I used to see more often, but as life has changed each of our paths, I don't see them as frequently, but still love them the same. I have best friends who are not in my physical location, but who I enjoy FaceTime conversations with and get to travel to see when our schedules allow. I have friends all over the world who I've shared a special event, retreat, or travel experience with, and we now converse through a group text thread. I have business and entrepreneur friends who I see over Zoom or in accountability or mastermind group meetings with the occasional voice note thrown in. What I don't have an abundance of, however, are friends in my city who are in the same life stage as me. So living in Des Moines, single and ready to mingle, navigating the dating scene, and maybe some who either own their own business or understand the challenges with entrepreneurship. To me, this is an important thing to highlight because it shows that what we need in friendships can be different depending on the person. If you don't know what you need, it may make the process of finding the right people to add to your circle challenging, or maybe take more time than it really needs to. So for example, if I'm looking for girlfriends, and guy friends for that matter, who are single, then I may be hoping to find someone who's open to venturing out to places where we would maybe meet similar like-minded people looking for a quality person to date. It would be helpful for that friend to be maybe a little bit spontaneous and willing to try new things if the main goal is to expand our network of who we meet on a regular basis. Not that I'm saying none of my existing friends couldn't also accomplish this goal or be interested in trying new things too, but the point I'm trying to make is that if you're attempting to optimize the little free time that you do have, then I think you'd want to be strategic in how you're spending the time and who you're spending it with. So here's another example If one of my new mom friends just had a baby a couple of weeks ago, She would likely not be able to drop everything to join me for an impromptu cocktail at a new restaurant, no matter how much she might want to. (laughs) Again, I live in the land of possibilities always and in all ways. So the exercise of honing in on what type of friendship you need is not to exclude anyone from being that person in your life. It's just to get you to think about how you're spending your time when it comes to relationships and reevaluate whether it's working or if you need to change things up. Our friends give us different things, and I think that's the beauty of having so many people cross our paths in our lifetime. In fact, I found an article on Very Well Mind that unpacks the different types of friendships and how they fit into our lives. So first you have acquaintances. Acquaintances are friends that we've met a few times, either at parties or through mutual friends. We kind of sort of know their names and a little bit about them, but we probably haven't had any like deep heart-to-heart conversations with them or spent much time with them one-on-one. These are the more surface-level interactions that don't really have much of any significant emotional involvement. But acquaintances can offer us friendly interactions, casual chats, easy breezy run-ins at a coffee shop, social media connections we might like or comment on each other's posts, Networking opportunities where we might help each other out with ideas, advice, or connections if we share a common hobby or interest. And they might also be friends of convenience where you share carpooling duties, neighborhood groups, youth sports, sports team, parents, etc. Next, you have casual friends. Casual or social friends are people we might befriend at the office, gym, or through a book club, for example. They are friends you socialize with, but with whom you are not particularly close, or friends that you do certain activities with, like gym buddies, church circles, etc. We know more about these people than an acquaintance, but the relationship sort of relies on the activity that you have in common. So these are friends that you might interact with quite regularly because of the activity, and they have the potential to turn into close friends. In addition, casual friends can offer us companionship they are our go-to people for things like going to grab coffee after a yoga class or getting lunch together at work we have shared interests with these people and as a result it provides an outlet for discussing those interests uh, they can offer lighthearted conversation so this type of relationship can provide laughter playful banter and an outlet for discussing everyday topics and then finally Casual friends offer a more low-pressure interaction, so there's less pressure with these friends because you don't have the expectation of being intimately involved in each other's lives. The third type of friendships are close friends. So these are our besties, the people that are in our inner circle. They're the ones that we bond with instantly, we talk to them often, we share our struggles with and confide our deepest, darkest fears to And they're often the friends that our values most closely align with. So close friends offer us trust, comfort, fun, quality time together. They provide emotional support and a safe space where we can freely express our thoughts, feelings, fears without worrying about being judged. They offer us advice. So close friends are our sounding boards that can offer support, advice, guidance, and perspective. They offer love, so these friends accept us for who we are, flaws and all, and they love us unconditionally, so our well-being is genuinely important to them. And they offer accountability, so close friends hold us accountable for our actions and decisions. They give us honest feedback, help us grow, and help us to make better choices. And then finally, we have lifelong friends. So lifelong friends are the people we've been friends with since childhood, These are often the friends that you can be your most authentic self with, and they offer us steadfastness, shared experiences, belonging, familial ties, timelessness, and lifelong memories. So the importance to these types of friendships is knowing that it's normal for them to ebb and flow. So an acquaintance can become a close friend, or a work colleague who starts off as a casual friend can become a best friend with time. On the other hand, knowing someone from childhood doesn't always guarantee an intimate connection. So childhood friends need more than just the history. They require mutual support and effort. Relationships, friendships included, are destined to just naturally ebb and flow and align with your own personal growth. For example, how we are able to show up in a friendship when we are in high school or in our college years may look very, very different than when we are in the throes of new parenthood or a demanding career, as an example. Okay, so we've outlined the challenges to meeting people, why it's important, and how to really identify the type of friends you need more of. Now, how do you realistically make new friends, even with a lot on your plate? Here are some ways you can go about it, no matter what type of friend you're seeking. So tip number one, surround yourself by the same people often. One of the best ways to meet new people is to see them in a setting that meets regularly. So usually this is accomplished through work, but not everyone has a job that works in an office. And even if you do, maybe the office has been replaced by a remote environment. Don't worry, there are plenty of other options if this is you, or if you don't feel comfortable making friends at work. And again, be strategic about it. Instead of a networking event, is there a professional development group you can join where you'll see the same people all the time? Instead of a book lecture or tour, can you join a book club where you're going to be around the same people? Other ways to meet people through shared interests include taking a class, doing volunteer work, joining a sports team or a workout class. Finding a gaming group like Dungeons and Dragons or a local community centers that may offer other types of games like bingo, board games, or card games. Adult education classes like crafts, painting, cooking, languages, or woodworking. Make a local restaurant or cafe your regular spot. You're bound to run into the same people there. Participate in your religious community. Join the PTA at your kid's school or connect with other parents through playgroups. Tip number two, be open to getting set up. So we have blind dates for romantic relationships, but why not have blind friendship dates? One of the best ways to utilize your existing network is to encourage your friends to connect you to new ones. So the benefit here is that your friends already know you and can suggest people they think you'd already gel with. So You can have casual get-togethers where friends bring new people. Um, Big groups can then break into smaller ones, creating an opportunity for new connections. Or you can go with something more planned where you host a dinner or an outing designed to introduce friends to each other and require them to bring someone new. I had one of my good friends do this recently where she suggested a group of her friends all get together to go to this place that like you make your own candle. And so she had known each of us for a while and thought we'd all love each other. It ended up being seriously one of the best days I've had in a very long time because we had such great conversation through the, through all of us in the group. And now we have a text thread where we can suggest future outings as you know the whole group or even as smaller pairings. It was amazing. And I wouldn't have known any of them if it weren't for my one friend who suggested it. Tip number three, grow your casual connections. So do you have a casual friend right now that you want to get to know better? Or you feel like maybe the friendship could deepen to something more? If you found a common denominator that you can bond over, use that as your opening to get to know them more. Then make an effort to gradually share more about the different parts of your own life that can help deepen your connection. Maybe suggest a way to get together outside of work. It can be a short coffee date to begin with. And if you like spending time with each other outside of work or your shared hobby, then make a plan to do it again. Tip number four, make genuine and intentional effort to know someone. Even with friendships, it can be intimidating or scary to think about potentially being rejected by a new friend. What if we have nothing in common? What if this feels really awkward? What if I say something dumb? What if they don't like me? At the most basic level, we all want to feel safe, loved, and enough. Make a genuine and intentional effort to get to know someone by asking questions and planning time to spend with them. When you lead with being genuine, people will likely find your attempts at building a friendship endearing. And if you like spending time with that person, tell them. Those meaningful gestures mean more to people than you think they might. Tip number five, Remind yourself of the end goal. Normalize that anxiety and awkwardness is all part of the process. Dr. Mayer says we need to remind ourselves that this is uncomfortable. You can even say to yourself, this makes me feel nervous, it makes me feel insecure, and I'm still choosing to do this for me. There's a certain bravery that exists when it comes to forging new relationships, even as friends. Take comfort in knowing that the other person feels it too. It's normal to feel uncomfortable because you're taking a risk. And one of the biggest reasons people struggle to make friends as an adult is due to a lack of trust. We all feel that even in an era where we have so many ways to connect, finding friends you genuinely vibe with can be tough. It takes a combination of courage and vulnerability, courage to join a class with like-minded people or to approach the mom who has children similar to yours. Vulnerability is what it takes to open up and escalate the first hello into a blossoming connection. People often connect over a shared vulnerability because it's like that thing you both find complex about your lives, but by sharing it with each other, you feel like it's less of a burden. Tip number six, lead with curiosity. There's one thing that will always be within your control when it comes to any interaction, whether it be friends or even romantic relationships, your energy. If you lead with good energy and remain curious about someone, they're going to feel boosted by your genuine genuine interest in who they are. As I often say on this show, everyone has a story. And if you go into an interaction curious to learn theirs, you literally can't go wrong. Everyone has something worthwhile and interesting about themselves that you get to learn about. Ask about their lives, their thoughts, their insights, their hobbies. This will also help you to keep the conversation going and the nerves at bay. Tip number seven, use friendship apps. I know, I know. I would generally suggest more things that take us away from our phones and toward real connection, but apps can still be a great way to meet people, especially if you have limited time or the ability to venture out of the house, or if as an introvert, you want to kind of graduate up to steps that require investing in people face-to-face. There are apps like Bumble BFF, Vina, and Peanut, just to name a couple. There's tons. Um, I'm actually going to link to a resource in the show notes that goes through quite a few other apps as well. But they're all designed to match you with like-minded people. So there are, in addition to the sort of swipe left-right type apps, there are also ones where you can connect with people who share a similar hobby, like through meetups. So apps are a great alternative to meeting in person and can be more convenient since you can do all of it from the comfort of your own home, especially to begin with. Tip number eight, reconnect with old friends. If the potential awkwardness of meeting new people is too much, or you wonder how an old friend might be doing, reconnect with someone you already know. Often new friendships can be found in old ones. Think back to your friends from college, high school, even elementary school. You were friends with them for a reason, right? If any stick out to you, and if they live in your area, reach out to them. The benefit of reviving old friendships is that you get to avoid all that awkward, obligatory get-to-know-you talk. Sure, you'll have to catch each other up on your lives, but you already know enough about them to avoid all that awkwardness. Tip number nine, know when to let go. One of the sometimes painful aspects of growing, living, and evolving is that certain friends come into our lives for just a season or a purpose. We aren't meant to hold on to every single connection we make, no matter how painful that might be. Dr. Kermair notes it's important to deepen meaningful relationships, but it's also okay to drift from some people. Whether we're moving, growing up, or changing, sometimes we lose certain connections, and that's actually okay. So the more we can do to normalize and allow for that kind of change, the better able we are to shift our attention to the relationships and friendships that we really need and value. So I experienced a friendship breakup a couple a couple of years ago, and it was really hurtful at the time. I don't know why my friend had, desi- had decided to move on. So while at first it felt like it was coming out of the blue, toward the end, I sort of saw the actual breakup coming where deep down, I knew I wouldn't hear from her again. And at first I, I thought about contacting her to ask what had happened, but the more the distance there was from the last communication, the more I understood that she had made the choice to move on and I just needed to respect it. Um, she had put up a boundary for herself and while I felt pain and Still to this day, I I don't really know what happened. Uh, I chose to focus my effort on the people who did want to be in my life. Friendships are a two-way street, and the phone rings both ways. If one person is putting in effort and the other person has checked out, we owe it to ourselves to accept that and look for those who want to reciprocate. And it doesn't mean we necessarily need to put negative energy toward that other person, It just means you're standing up for yourself and saying, I want people in my life who want to be here. I wish this person all the love and happiness in the world, but it's okay for me to move on. We evolve as people and therefore our our relationships and our friendships have to evolve too. So those are the realistic tips to meeting and making new friends as an adult. There are inherent challenges to making new friends, but I would also say Pay attention to your mindset around this topic as well. I would never minimize the challenges that any one of us might face as it relates to forming and maintaining relationships, but just be mindful of the energy you attach to it. So if you consistently tell yourself that it will be hard and that it will always be hard, then that's probably going to be your reality moving forward. On the other hand, if you are kind to yourself first and admit that everyone finds these things awkward and you aren't alone... That in itself can build your optimism. As with everything, small steps can create momentum and then momentum can create change. The bottom line is friends and the health benefits that exist for all of us shouldn't be taken for granted. We do have limited time in the day and friendship does require an investment. But science journalist Lydia Denworth says it best when she said, friends deserve more respect and they shouldn't always be the last thing on our list in terms of priorities. Okay, so I shared a ton of tips in the episode, so I'm gonna keep this show's kindness and action segment pretty brief. But as always, if you want to dig further into this topic, here are some things you can do whether you have five minutes or 50. So if you have five minutes, read this article that I found from Cosmopolitan on the best friendship apps that are available to use right now. If you have 50 minutes, watch this TED talk from Marissa G. Franco who says you can quote unquote experience the full richness and complexities of who who you are when you have an entire community to bring that out in you. Woo! What a mic drop line. Um, And now for some really exciting news. I'm so thrilled to announce the winner of the contest I ran during the launch month. Massive, massive thanks to all of you who left reviews during that first month of the show. We surpassed the original 20 goal that I was hoping to reach and... I just felt so much joy reading the words and the um, early reviews coming in for all of you who have really enjoyed the, the show so far. So the grand prize winner of the $250 is the handle name Aram A-I-R-A-M-M-T-M, who writes, Wow, I'm so excited to be introduced to this podcast in the first month of launch. I'm listening, I'm inspired, and I'm thrilled to grow and evolve with this. Thank you so much for sharing vulnerably and compassionately with us and your guests. So excited for more. Whee! Ugh, thank you so much for that heartfelt review. Um, I'm just so excited to say that you have been randomly selected as the winner of the $250 promotion. So um, if you could, please either send me a DM on Instagram at Shauna R. Stiver, so that's S-H-A-W-N-N-A-R-S-T-I-V-E-R, or by sending an email to French Kissing Life Podcast at gmail.com, we can get your prize coordinated. I want to share two other reviews that I appreciated so much when they came through. The first one is from um, S-G-D-E-A. Um, who writes, I'm so seen by this podcast. Shauna, the host, is so authentic. Everything she has to share comes straight from the heart, and she has a gift for pulling it out of her guests. I love how honest she shows up. I have a story, dot, dot, dot. Thank you, SGD, for those wonderful words. It's no surprise my heroes are the legends of interviewing, like Barbara Walters, Dan Rather, or my main squeeze, Keith Morrison. You should all hear my Barbara Walters impression sometime. We'll save that for another episode. (laughs) Okay, I have time to read one more review, and this one is from Mel M. I, I think, who writes, This is such a heartwarming listen. I caught myself laughing along with Shauna multiple times, and it really adds some positivity to my day. I highly recommend this podcast. You ain't heard nothing yet, sister. Or maybe it's a guy. You ain't heard nothing yet, brother. (laughs) I'm so glad that you're getting a kick out of my ridiculous jokes. Uh, rest assured, more are coming. Once again, thank you to everyone who left a review during our promotion. Um, if you weren't picked, don't you worry your little heart out because I am back with another juicy giveaway. This time, our friends at Laundry. thank you so much, Hannah, for your generosity, have gifted us a minimalist swimsuit valued at $149 for our February giveaway and trust me if February is the love month you will be all about the self love rocking this bathing suit and if it's not even remotely close to being warm where you live like it is for me then at least it will help you dream of spring which apparently is coming early according to our resident groundhog Phil so to be entered into February's drawing all you have to do is leave a review if you've left one before, you can leave one again. And if you want to pass the word along to friends, we would be ever so grateful. Doing this show is truly the highlight of my life. And it's bringing me so much joy to be able to tell these stories and get to have these conversations. And I wanna see it grow. And by leaving a review and sharing this with, a friend, with your friends, um, you get to have a front row seat to that growth as well. So thank you so much. And we will see you next time for another fun, playful, inspiring, and joyful episode of French Kissing Life. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the French Kissing Life podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you're enjoying the show, shower us with a five-star rating and hit that subscribe button to make sure you never miss a future episode. And if you would be so kind and give the show a review, I'll sweeten the deal for you. Since you know I live for good conversation, I want to hear from you. Share your favorite takeaways, an aha moment you had, or a fun emoji that represents this week's show, along with your Instagram handle or email address, and you'll be entered to win this month's giveaway. The French Kissing Life movement is gaining momentum and your ratings and reviews play a pivotal role in propelling the show to new heights. Until next week. (muchas) Mmm, <muchas>